All right. Hey, Merry Christmas. Hey, it's fun to gather with you as a kind of a hometown crowd. And as I say that, I realize there are out of town guests and family and friends. So welcome. If we haven't met, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors and uh, I'm really, really thankful that you are here with us. It's our custom to take an offering on Sunday mornings. And so we're going to go ahead and do that now. Guys, you can come forward. I'm just going to pray over that for us and then I'll make a few kind of introductory announcements and then we'll have another time of prayer, hear God's word, a little quick meditation on what this means for us and then we'll sing again as we're ready to go. But let me just pray for us. Uh, Jesus, thank you for who you are. We remember on a day like this that you were given gifts um, and then you have given us gifts. And the offering is a chance for us to reflect both that you have given to us and that we want to give to you. So would you bless this offering? Uh, thanks for the many blessings that you've given us, not just financial, but relational and spiritual. Uh, God, you, you are here with us. And we just say thank you. Uh, bless our offering, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can pass the plates. Hey, so if you're brand new with us and are in town, uh, there's a little welcome card in the front of the pew there for you. A chance just to let us know that you're here. We'd love to get to know your story a little bit, answer any questions you might have. There's some give boxes actually in the back of the room on your way out. If you want to fill it out and drop that in that box, then we would reach out and it's just a great way to start a conversation. We'll also stick around this morning as long as you want to kind of talk about anything you want, but that's a great way just to say hey and uh, to get some more information. There's a couple other things out there. You have a bulletin that gives you some announcements and then you've got a winter at hope card that tells you some things that are going on. A couple of just special things I want to draw your attention to. Uh, we have a huge party uh, the Wednesday after Christmas, after New Year, I'm sorry, where we unhang the greens. Uh, which I would love to invite all of you to. So we'll have a quick meal, uh, then we'll do that time. We'll have a time of prayer, uh, and then we'll undecorate together. It's actually pretty fun just to get to know some people, so want to welcome you to that. And in the following week, we're going to do something we've not done before. Just take some time as the new year starts to have a time of like reflection and focus. Most of us are going to make resolutions or look back on the year and think about what we want to do for the next coming year. And so we just thought as a community, if we could gather together, kind of think through kind of where we are, what we want to see God do individually and together, we would have a class kind of uh, for a Wednesday night uh, to focus on that together, to ask God to speak to us, uh, give some direction and some instruction and a framework maybe to think about how do we move forward past just like resolutions to things that we want to see God do in us. So there will be child care for that that you need to register for. Um, you can find out more information uh, both in our newsletter and in that bulletin. Um, in the following week, we'll kick off a class uh, on contemplative practices like prayer and how to read the scripture quietly and slowly and uh, again, just trying to grow together as a family. So I want to invite you to all those things that are coming up. And then as we start the new year, uh, we're going to do a new sermon series. We're going to take a little break from Matthew and jump into the book of Colossians, which if you've been around here for a while, you've heard us talk about this as kind of the E on the I chart for us as a church. There's a passage in Colossians chapter 3, and it spills over into chapter 4 a little bit, where the Bible's giving instructions to early first century Christians about what it means for them to walk with God, what it means for their identity, what it means for their past, how they think about relating to each other. And so we, we find there a space for our church just to go forward and uh, ask what should we be about. Because the Bible says that Christians should be about how does that shape our church. So we're going to do seven weeks through those uh, couple of chapters and wanted to invite you a little bit deeper. So there's going to be a reading guide that will go along with that. We actually have printed some this morning. We'll pass them out next week, but if you're not here next Sunday, we printed some. If you want to grab them, they're on the back little welcome desk in the hallway. Uh, there'll be five days of readings there just to help you get into the text some parallel passages in other places of the Bible, and then you'll know kind of what we're reading into and preaching into 
that coming Sunday. So I just want to encourage you to step towards that. And maybe you've never read the Bible before and you're not familiar at all with the claims of Christianity. I think what this text puts in front of us is a pretty helpful introduction. It's fairly deep. There's a lot there. It's something like really substantive, but it's something that we can understand together and step towards. So I want to just invite you to that. Again, you'll find those there on the back desk. Okay, I think that's everything. Hey, it really is a fun morning together just to gather. Uh, we just want to kind of calm our hearts and pray. We'll hear God's word, and then um, maybe the shortest sermon in the history of sermons I will share with you this morning. I know, I know the children would like me to go really long. They would love for me to talk for a really long time. Sorry, kids. Maybe next year um, it'll, be, uh, it'll be short. But let me just invite Sarah up to lead us in a time of prayer, and then we'll hear God's word, and then we'll reflect on it. Good morning. I'd love for you to join us in a time of prayer this morning. We set aside time in our service to gather together in prayer. And so I have one simple thing that we're going to pray through today, and it's praise. We're celebrating the glorious good news of a Savior who has come to dwell among us. And so I'm going to read from Psalm 148, and then I'm going to give you time to pray silently, and then I'll close us. Praise the Lord from the earth. You great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, For his name alone is exalted, and his majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. Joy truly has come to the world because of you, Lord Jesus, King of Kings. We praise you, we worship you, we bow down and adore you. All praise and honor and glory be to you. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm also going to do the scripture reading. It can be found on page 886 in the Pew Bible. So John 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, 
yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Sarah. Hey, kids, I wondered, did anybody get Christmas presents yet? May I have a present yet? You got one. Thanks, Elizabeth. I appreciate that. Hey, if you didn't get one yet, uh, we would love that you uh, leave here with one. So in your little packet, there's some coloring sheets, and we have a fruit snack exchange program. No one has to leave empty-handed today. Uh, you can all grab a, a quick fruit snack. But kids, for real, there's a coloring sheet, uh, a way for you to kind of engage with the sermon while we talk. I'm so thankful that you guys are in the room. And I thought about just what it means to like get gifts and to celebrate this morning. And, and I wondered if you can remember what you got last year. Can anybody remember what you got last year, like your big gift last year? I will probably won't use your name, I promise. You're like, Elizabeth is like, I'll never raise my hand again. You're using my name. Uh, hey, I, I, I'm sure it was wonderful and meaningful. I'm sure it was what you longed for. I'm sure your family thought about it before they gave it to you. But, but it's interesting, isn't it, like that we have a hard time reflecting and recalling what that was. And so even as we think about all the beautiful things that we're getting, uh, we're experiencing even family and friends and food, um, it's interesting to think about the short shelf life of a gift. Even if you can remember it, maybe like the joy of it has, has faded. I thought about when I was a kid, my dad was a great, thoughtful gift giver, but he had this habit of being like maybe two years behind what was either currently the cool gift or even like the age of a gift. And so I was like maybe 12 years old when my dad gave me like a giant teddy bear. And I remember thinking like, if I was six, maybe that would be really cool. And I actually tried to play it off like, hey, mom, look, dad got you this giant teddy bear. And that was like, no, son, that's for you. And I was like, I'm about to start shaving. I don't know if I need a teddy bear. But as important as they are and as fun as they are, they tend to fade. Just with that in your mind, can I just encourage you this morning that the gift we celebrate from Jesus doesn't fade. And it wasn't just this one moment in history at a manger. That's not where the gift actually stops. What I want to do this morning is just walk through a little bit this idea of what God did as he gave us the gift of his son. There's a kind of a past part of that, a present part of that, and a future part of that. The Bible tells us that God came and dwelt among us. That's what that word Emmanuel means, that he came and dwelt with us. And then Jesus said he gave us his spirit to dwell in us. And then the Bible actually says for eternity God has made a way for the dwelling place of God to be to the gift that Jesus gave us at Christmas. And that's just where I want to encourage you this morning. I hope it gives you hope. I hope it gives you encouragement because it means that what God did in the past 
has present impact now wherever you find yourself. And even if now is really, really difficult, the scriptures say that what lies ahead of God's people um, is so beautiful that the pain we face now doesn't even compare to the beauty and glory of what will be. So maybe today is like the best day of your life. Maybe today is a day full of sadness, but, but wherever you find yourself, what Christ has done is meaningful and, and is encouraging. So, so Christians who already trust Jesus, uh, I want to encourage you with that. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're watching online or your first time in the room or you've been wrestling or seeking for a while, I think what you'll hear this morning is an invitation from a God who cares about you and loves you. He didn't just come to give you rules. He came to actually be in a relationship with you. And what he did as he came in this little manger that we celebrate, which I know has lots of things about it that feel kind of strange, but it's the way that the eternal God of the universe came into our world in such a way that made a difference for us to relate to him. So, so you'll hear kind of the Christian message if you're not a follower of Jesus. And, and I just want to encourage you with that as well. Again, that's meant to be even an invitation for further conversation would love to talk. So let me just pray for a moment, kind of with this idea of fading gifts in your mind. Let me pray and ask God to speak to us as we think about what he did uh, as he came. Jesus, thank you for coming. We just acknowledge uh, the beauty of it. We acknowledge the wonder of it, uh, the, the miraculous nature of it, all the things around your birth, uh, the suffering and the miracles, uh, the prophecies, uh, the journey, the labor the difficulty, even some of the danger, all that comes together for us to have gratitude in our hearts for the fact that you came. Eternal God of the universe, humbling yourself to come into a human womb and to be born of a little teenage girl in a peasant village a long time ago. And that you chose to come that way communicates to us something about who you are, how you see us, and how you can relate to us. And you are the eternal king, the one who made everything. So you're not just a peasant who came from humble means. You, you hold the entire universe in your hands. So we, we worship you and we admit that we need you, even if we struggle to know how to apply all of it to our hearts and lives. So would you speak to us now on this uh, simple but holy Sunday morning as we reflect upon your birth? Would you come and, and help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to look quickly at three passages, not, not three sermons, but three ideas from three passages. John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus came to actually dwell among us. And then we'll look at John 14 and some of 16, where Jesus says that he's going to leave, and that's actually good news, which would have blown his followers' minds, because that means the Spirit could come and dwell inside of us. And then we'll look at Revelation 21, where you get this promise at the very end that the dwelling place of God has come to be with man. So, so kind of this past, this present, and this future. So, so if you have your Bible, uh, it's on page 886. This is John chapter 1. Let me just kind of walk through it real fast and be encouraged with what the Scriptures say Jesus did for us. So starting in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. That can maybe sound kind of confusing if you're not familiar with the Bible. He's using the word, word, to actually speak of Jesus himself. What he's saying is that this Jesus who was born is both with God and was God and comes from a long, long time ago. In the very, very beginning was the word. He had no start. He always existed. He was eternal. Several of the gospel stories, so Mark and 
uh, Matthew and Luke, they tell the story of Jesus. And uh, Matthew and Luke start with what's called a genealogy. They give a kind of the family line. And they're a little bit different. Actually, Luke waits till chapter 3 to give it to us. Uh, Matthew tells us all the way back to Abraham. But Luke goes all the way back to Adam to trace the line of Jesus to say, this is where he comes from. In a lot of ways, what John is doing is like a genealogy as well, saying, let me just trace back where this child came from. He came all the way back from eternity. To trace it all the way back to the very, very beginning, to cue for us that this little baby that was born is something really special. He's, he's eternal. And this is what like, the prophecies would say from like Micah chapter 5. It says this, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from old and from ancient days. goes on to talk about being born, kind of coming into this world and reigning in peace and righteousness to come and shepherd his people. But, but the scriptures say this one who is going to come was more than just a man. He actually has ancient beginnings, eternal beginnings, which is significant when we think about what he came to accomplish for us. It wasn't just a man, it was God himself. So, so he's eternal. And then in verse 3, it tells us that he made... Everything, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that has been made. To speak of his creation, of his power. And then in verse 4 it says, In him was life. He came actually to, to awaken, and the life was the light of men. There's redemption in this phrase. There's beauty in this phrase. He didn't just make life. He actually was life and carried that. There's a redemption there. And he has power in verse 5. It says, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness hasn't overcome it. So you have eternity, you have creation, you have redemption, and you have power and victory right at the very, very beginning. This one who came to dwell with us is eternally beautiful and accomplished everything we needed. The next couple of verses will just tell us like this was promised of the Old Testament. He'll talk about how he actually made everything. Names the problem that we have is that we've rejected God but then he still actually has come to solve our problem and made a way for us to be in a relationship with him. And it says in verse 12 that if we would receive him, anybody who will believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, to join in this family line of God's people. And then we'll jump down to verse 14. It says, And the word became flesh. This eternal one, the one who made everything, came into the world. He took on flesh and he dwelt among us. This word dwelt has the meaning of like a tent or, or a tabernacle, which for the Old Testament believers is a really important concept. It's where we actually met with God. So what he's saying at the very beginning is this eternal one who made everything came into our world. He took on flesh and he made a way for us to actually be with him by dwelling with us. Again, the scriptures say that he was Emmanuel, God with us. And when Matthew says that, he's quoting Isaiah chapter 7. So, so God came to actually dwell with us. So the fact that he came is, is a beautiful miracle there. And it says that this dwelling didn't just like come in that one little moment. He lived this life that was beautiful. And in verse 16, we see that it's from the fullness that we have received grace upon grace. What he did as he dwelled among us was to give us grace upon grace. And that can be translated like one blessing after another or one thing on top of another. And he explains it in verse 17 that, that he came and replaced the law. For the law was given through Moses, but, but grace and truth came through Jesus. That's a lot of words to say that what Jesus did was made a way for us to be right with God simply by receiving him. 
not by doing anything on our own. We couldn't keep the law enough. We couldn't obey enough. We couldn't perform well enough, kids. You couldn't be good enough to deserve grace from God. So he simply gave it to us, and he gives it to all who would believe in him, to who receive him. So, so this grace, he says, is upon grace. It's something that like keeps going. And when Jesus came, he, he made a way for us to be right with God apart from the law, this text says. And then this dwelling actually didn't just stay there in the manger. It actually began to expand. Jesus teaches. He lives a life. He does miracles. He calls disciples to himself. And he begins to explain that he didn't come just as a little baby to be born. He came as one who would sacrifice in our place, who would die to make a way for us to be right with God. And as he's explaining that, he says to his disciples that he's going to actually die, which even on this morning, you're like, no, let's talk about his birth and how beautiful that is, which is so beautiful. But the fact that he was born to die so that we could be in a relationship with him, I think actually expands how we understand that he is Emmanuel. He made a way for us to be together, not just in his birth, but actually inside of us. So flip with me over a couple of chapters to John 14. The same idea of dwelling is found there. In chapter 14 of John, he's explaining who he is and what he's like. And he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is verse 15. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to come and be with you. Even the spirit of truth whom the word cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Hey, there's a ton in this text that another morning we will take some time to unpack. But I simply want you to see this morning that Jesus' work as he came to take on our flesh, he lived this perfect life, he died a sacrificial death, made it possible to dwell as a man who would live a perfect life. Presently, God dwells in the hearts of all those who trust him, which means encouragement. It means, it means help. This text goes through and just describes what happens because the Spirit comes. He says in verse 18 that we're not alone, that He didn't leave us as orphans. We get to have a relationship with God, that we're, that we're loved by the Father and the Son and the Spirit, it says in verse 21. He came to teach us and to remind us of what's true. In verse 27, He says He gave us peace. He came to convict us of what's um, wrong with the world, and He came to actually guide us in all truth. So, so God dwells with us. But not on the outside, the scripture says part of the promise of the Messiah is to make a way for God to dwell on the inside, which means wherever you find yourself, lonely, excited, overwhelmed, at peace, surrounded with people that know you and love you, or feeling isolated, God's made a way for you actually to never be alone, for God to dwell inside of you. The scriptures say, like in 1 Corinthians 3 and 6, that, that we become the temple of God. The same idea of tabernacle, that he actually came to dwell inside of us, right? We know him, he dwells in us, it says. So there's a past and a present, but it actually even gets better than that. It's not just that we have this God that we can't really see that promises to be with us. And we can sense him, we can feel him, we can experience his work, but we can't actually touch him. But the scripture says that at the end, this dwelling is actually even more expanded. So the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21, right, right as he begins to close it down, he says this in verse 3 of chapter 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. So in the future, what this is all pointing to is not just 
a manger that happened or, or something that we experience now on the inside. It's a renewed, full, perfect relationship the way it was back in the garden where God made a way for God to dwell with people. He's dealt with our sin. He actually made a way for us to be in relationship and to have peace with him. And he says a lot of things about what the Spirit does in, in John, but in this text he says, because we now dwell with God, he says in verse 4, that means he's going to wipe away every tear and that death shall be no more. And there'll be no more mourning or crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Jesus came and dwelled in the past. He sends his spirit to dwell inside of you now in the present. And he promises that one day for all those who trust him, we will dwell with him for eternity. And the language around those promises of dwelling are ones of peace and healing and renewal, of actually making things the way that they're supposed to be, which is why Jesus came. I simply wanted to encourage you this morning that the God who loves you wants to dwell with you and made that possible through the work of his son, Jesus. So as we kind of move towards communion, we get a chance to talk about how he dwelt. In his broken body and shed blood, he made a way for us to actually be in relationship with him. And so if you're a follower of Christ, I want to invite you this morning on Christmas morning to receive a reminder of the gift that God gave us through his sacrifice. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can just stay in your seat and pray. There's prayers in the back of your bulletin that will give you some guidance. Kids, if you've never taken communion before, this morning may not be the best time to just start that. You can talk to your parents and maybe you can have a conversation uh, during the week and you can talk about communion another time. But, but I want you to actually just pray. Kids, I'm thankful that you're in the room. You could pray that Jesus would speak to you, uh, that he would communicate his love to you, that he would help you to believe. You could pray those things while we take communion. But for all those who are trusting Christ, I want to invite you to come and take communion. His broken body, which is the way he made it possible for us to dwell with him, we get to celebrate. So there'll be servers here in the front of both aisles. Uh, you'll tear a piece of the bread off and dip it in the cup, and there'll be somebody here in the front middle with a gluten-free station. There'll also be some little private cups that way if that's more comfortable for you. But would you bow your head with me for a moment while our servers come forward? Jesus, grace upon grace, one more after another. It gets better and better and better, so we say thank you. Even this morning, could we just taste for a moment the good news of what it means to be in a relationship with you? Would you encourage your people? And would you draw those who are not yet your people to yourself? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we'll sing two more songs, but come take communion when you're ready.